I'm finally going to get to introduce my pastor, Pastor Kevin Fouts. He is the lead pastor of the church that I was at for uh, almost five years in Yukon, Oklahoma, just west of Oklahoma City, uh, Discovery Church. And that is where I really grew in my faith a ton. That's where I grew in my leadership. That's where I grew in opportunities to lead many different things. And ultimately, it was because of Pastor Kevin and his family giving me the opportunity uh, to lead those things and to, to disciple me and Lindsay throughout this whole process. So they have supported our church. They are our parent church as well. So Radical Church is a daughter church of Discovery. So he's actually on our board as well. So you're getting to hear from a board member, a pastor, and a great friend of mine. It's Pastor Kevin Fouts and Martha Fouts and Carter. Will y'all give it up for them for being here today? And let's come on up, Pastor Kevin. I'm going to turn this thing over to him. Let's do it. God bless you, sir. Thank you, Radical Church. Thank you for supporting and for encouraging your pastors. Uh, We absolutely thank the world of, of Trevor and Lindsay in Oakland. And uh, listen, if I was anywhere close to this area, I would make this my church home. Let me tell you just a little bit of history about Trevor. Anybody want to hear some goop on your pastor? (laughs) So you've heard the saying, it's not a matter of what you know, it's a matter of who you know. Well, I've learned in leadership, I've been at the same church for 15 years, been in ministry for about 25. Um, I've learned that it's good to connect with other people. And so our staff began to say, hey, let's reach out to this young man by the name of Trevor Ashley. And we were looking at about filling, well, about three positions. And, um, and so one of those positions was administrative assistant, uh, having to deal with some finances and so forth. And so we are in a, Trevor knows where this is going now. So we're in a, um, a interview process and, and one of the board members says, Pastor Trevor, okay, have you ever uh, taken any kind of administrative training? Have you ever taken accounting? And he said, no, but my dad took a class one time in college, accounting 101. (laughs) So if you're on an interview and your interviewer asks you, have you taken this certain class? It It is of no help to you to say your mother or your father took a class. The information is not learned by osmosis. You understand that? And uh, I remember that, that interview. He was going to, I asked him to lead worship that night. And I knew we had several positions to fill. But after he led the first song, I turned to Martha and I said, he's our new staff member. And she said, doing what? And I said, I don't know yet, but he's going to be our new staff member. <laughs> so Trevor has done for us creative pastor, young adult pastor, just wherever I needed him, that's the heart of your pastor. He would jump in and say, what can I do to make a difference? And, uh, and I'm not saying that because I'm here. I'm saying that because, listen, I would not support, I would not be behind this ministry if I didn't believe in your pastor. So you got a good pastor. <clears throat> So this is what I want you to do for your pastors. I want you to love them. I want you to honor them. I want you to take care of them. There is a weight that is upon any pastor that is carrying the burden of ministry. It doesn't go off at five o'clock in the afternoon. You don't want it to go off at five o'clock in the afternoon. You want to carry it because you want to help meet the needs of, of people. 
and and I'm your pastor has that burden, has that weight, and so encourage them, help them. If you're not tithing, shame on you. Start. You're missing out on a tremendous blessings that God. You're tying His hands by not tithing. So hear my heart. This is. I'm. I'm. I'm not going to take a check today. I don't want a check. I told Trevor I don't want anything, and I really don't because I want to give back to this ministry. In fact, this afternoon we're going to look at some pieces of ground. We're going to look at some buildings. We're going to look at some opportunities because we understand what's happening in the transition in the fall. Uh, but we believe the best days are not behind Radical Church, but they're ahead of Radical Church. We walked in, I had a vision, and, and it wasn't like one of those wow moments. It was just like, this is coming together in such a rapid way, such a fast pace. I can foresee this time next year, you guys, 350, 400 and God blessing, God moving, God meeting the needs. But see, you're, you are such a big part of that happening because we are the church. Listen, there is no, no organization, no organism on planet Earth that is more important than the church of Jesus Christ. The church is the hope of the world today. Government's not going to have the answers. I mean, no more, whoever the politician is that sits on the White House, it doesn't matter because Jesus is on the throne and he's got the, the kings and pre presidents is in his hands. And uh, so it's a privilege for me and my wife, Martha and Carter. I have three sons, the oldest of which is almost 21. Uh, he'll be a junior at Oklahoma State University. Um, and then um, the... One that just graduated high school, his name's Keaton. Uh, he'll be a freshman, and he's also studying children's pastor, and to be a children's pastor. And then Carter will be a senior at Bethany High School, and uh, his desire is to, to, to be in the ministry as well. So we are glad to be with you today. It's going to be fun. I want to teach you something that has literally changed my life. Um, there are two books that I want to encourage you to get. Trevor knows where I'm going with this before I even go there. He spoke on, for the three weeks, basically a, a synopsis of what John Bevere calls The Bait of Satan. It is a powerful book. It is a book that we're transitioning into every member of our church having to go through this class and having to read this book. Uh, it is powerful. So, Bait of Satan by John Bevere. The second book is called Honor's Reward by John Bevere. The thing I love about the teachings of this book is the simple fact that it's not, he's not taking it out of context for his opinion, but it's literally line by line, verse by verse. And today, what you're going to hear is, is my experience with honor. You see, I really believe God blesses so much the people that honor him, that honor up. When I say honor up, who's in authority over you? Well, you say, I have no one. I'm a stay-at-home mom. Well, your authority is your, if you're married, your husband. God has placed anything with two heads as a freak. Can you say amen? <laughs> Listen, I was raised on a farm, and we had a couple of calves over the years that, was, that had two heads. They didn't make it. There only could be one head. He is your covering. He is not to lord over you, but he's to come alongside of you and be your helpmate. But there has to be, with God, there is a systematic, orderly way of doing things, and it's authority. 
And so honor up. Maybe it's your boss, your spouse. Honor those that are in authority over you. Then honor down. Honor those that can give you nothing in return for your honor. It says a lot to me how you treat your children. It says even more to me how you treat someone else's children. See, honor is not popular anymore. You may watch a little bit of a war movie or so forth, and, and it may show Hollywood may show you a little bit, but as far as everything else in our culture today, we trash everything. We trash everybody. And it's sad. Honor up, honor down, and honor all around. Honor our peers. Honor one another. You would be blown away at what honor will do in your life. We're going to look at Mark chapter 6, and we're going to learn from the example that Jesus gives us himself about honor. Mark 6 verse 1, Jesus left there and went to his own hometown, accompanied by his disciples, when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What is the wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles that he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters with us? And they took what's been, Pastor Trevor, what's he been talking about? They took offense. They took offense. You see, you think you can know someone so well that you have this idea of what they should or should not be. And when they don't meet that mold that you have, the perception that you have of them, then you get offended. I was raised on a farm. My wife was raised in the city. I assumed when we got married, I would have fried chicken, mashed potatoes and gravy, Pinto beans. Come on, anybody? <laughs> Basically, I lived in Cracker Barrel for the entirety of my life. Amen. Listen, they tell us that that's no longer good for us. I, I know from my arteries and veins, things just slide right through it because <laughs> it's coated with Crisco. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so I had this ideal of who my beautiful bride would be and what she would and when I got married she she she, she she's right here <laughs> it was chicken casserole it was spaghetti it was chicken casserole it was spaghetti you get the idea where we're going with this she made gravy twice and I think the first three months and uh, two of the three times it wouldn't even come out and the other time you, you, I didn't want it so verse 4 Jesus said to them a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown among his own relatives and in his own home now notice verse 5 this is Verse itself has always just fascinated me. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Amazed. 
Father, thank you for your word. And God, I pray that you would help me best speak and share this word you've given me to, to communicate. I pray for an anointing on all of us to hear your word, for us to see what only your spirit can teach us and for us to respond. God, not just to be hearers only, but be doers of the word. And we'll give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. As you read the Gospels, you're just once again reminded of how amazing and what incredible miracles Christ did. He opened the blinded eyes. He made the, the deaf be able to hear, raised the dead, turned water into wine. And John says there is not enough books in the entire world that would contain all the different things and miracles that Jesus did. And so for then me to read what I just read, that Jesus could do no miracles there. I've looked at that and I thought, you know, that's not, that, that's, that's a mistranslation. What it's really trying to say is Jesus chose not to do any miracles there. But as you study and you look at this passage, it's not the case. Literally, the son of an almighty God, the one who came and died for our sins, was limited because of their lack of honor. Because they chose not to honor Christ, Jesus could do no miracles there. So this, this word honor, it, it's heavy, it's weighted. In the original Greek, it is, it is more costly than gold. It is to place such a value on, such esteem, that's more important than even life itself. I want you to think about honor and think about how are you honoring Christ? Are you living out an example of what it is to really honor the Lord? I understand they, they got kind of, they took Christ for granted. They went to synagogue with him. They saw him being raised. Maybe they bought some tables and chairs off of his father. Maybe he played with their son or their daughter. And because you get used to something, you kind of lose the value. And you start to nonchalantly just say, it's just church on a Sunday morning. And it's just, it's Labor Day, Memorial Day. It's the 4th. It's, and I'm just going to set back, because it's probably going to be like it was last week. It's probably just going to be a normal Sunday. Friends, can I tell you, there's nothing normal about the presence of God meeting with his church and him showing up and moving in our hearts and lives are transformed and changed. It's the supernatural power of an almighty God. John Bevere writes in his book, Honor's Reward. He said, for years I struggled because I would go to these third world countries and I would see miracles happen. Miracles. And people would get, when I get back, people would cross the states and the conferences and revivals and teachings. He said that they would just say, well, why is it happening there and not here? And he said, I couldn't give them an answer until this one particular trip I went on. 
a very poor country, and most all the countries he would go in would be very poor. But this one was, was desperately, they didn't have anything. The pastors put them up, in, and the host pastors put them up in what would be equivalent to a Motel 6. But they lived in slums. They lived in shacks. And John Bevere said, after the first night, I went to him early the next morning and said, I can't do it anymore. I want to live just like you live. I want to stay where you stay. Because I feel like that's what Jesus would do. And the pastor said, oh, no. You will stay where we put you because we choose honor. And it really hit him because they gave them the best that they had. And he said it just, it just started to resonate within him. So that night they went to service and there was people healed, getting up out of wheelchairs, blinded eyes being made open. And this one mama comes down, thousands of people. He said, but she caught my eye. I walked over. She had a baby. Baby wasn't moving. Finally, through a translator, he said the baby had been dead for three days. John Bevere said, I don't know what to do. She said, would you pray? So he, he, he takes the baby, as well as the evangelist's wife, takes the baby and prays over that baby. And the baby starts to cry. The mama didn't act surprised at all. She pulls back the covers pulls it back down and said, oh, we must pray again. You see, the baby was only born with one eye. So they prayed again. She opened that baby's, the clothes, the cloth that was over his face up, and she said, that's my baby. The baby was healed. And John Bevere said, the very reason why. So all of us have been given the measure of faith. That depends on what we use, that measure, that determines the outcome. But he says, honor is much bigger than what we think. Much more important than what we even realize. If I can tell you something, I followed not a good situation. The pastor had had a moral failure. Church was about 60 grand in the hole. I didn't know any of this till I got there. And God has blessed our church, our little church in Yukon, Oklahoma, so that we not only can be a blessing to radical church, but about 40 missionaries across the world be able to make a difference. And I'll tell you, the biggest thing I attribute it to is honor. We had a generation that's passed on since I've been there. The church was relatively, it was old. I've done a lot of funerals. But I've learned there is power and honor. Now, Jesus said of the Pharisees and Sadducees, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. I'm not talking about a surface kind of honor. I'm not talking about something you just say you honor someone. I'm talking about you show it with your heart. So I want, I want to give you three things really quick. Honor creates a pathway to breakthrough. 
Do you need a breakthrough in your life? Matthew chapter 8 tells the story of a satyrian soldier. He had a servant that was sick. And he goes to Jesus and he said, could you heal her? And Jesus said, yes. And the man turns to Jesus and said, listen, you don't even have to go to my house. All you have to do is speak the word. He said, because I understand authority, because I am one that's under authority, but I also exercise authority. So if you'll just speak the word. And then what Jesus says next is amazing. He says, no greater faith have I found in all of Israel. Now you think about that statement. John the Baptist, his own mother, the faith of the people that in that time even of his disciples. And Jesus says, his faith is the best. Now, how could his faith be the best? Because once again, I believe it's attached to honor. It's attached to him understanding authority. The power that comes from honor. Did you know the, the, what the Bible says about honor is we're to honor the Lord with the first fruits of our increase. How can we say we trust God if we won't tithe? Once again, it's honor. We are to honor our spouse. Right? Honor your wife. Peter talks much about it. Honor your husband. We are to honor the sanctity of human life. The unborn. We are to honor our mother and father. In fact, it's, it's the only commandment with a promise, and your days will be filled with plenty. Honor is a big deal with God. And I can promise you, it's not easy. You know some people that are hard to honor because of the past offense, because there's unforgiveness, because there's a hurt there. Let me tell you, some people think unforgiveness and revenge and it's not that big of a deal, but let me tell you, it's like you're drinking a poison and thinking it's gonna hurt them, but instead it hurts you. This centurion soldier needed a breakthrough and God says, you get it. You know, you've heard this, this, the, the idea that some people can't handle authority because it goes to their head. And, and they rule and they reign. They, they're, they're, they're domineering and they, they want you to know that they have power. But really the heart of someone who understands and gets honor is the humility of which they lead. Moses had incredible power. He honored people. And he himself was honored. But the Bible says there was no one more humble than Moses. Draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. There will be promotions that will come that you will think, 
how in the world did I get this promotion? And it's not because that you knew Bob and Susie and Leroy, but that you knew God. And because you honored, and times that means you have to keep your mouth shut, but you're choosing honor over your pride. So, number one, honor, it'll cause, it'll create a pathway to a breakthrough. Number two, it's going to take determination. Determination. That means you can't quit. So, we all get tired. We all get frustrated. We all have those anxious moments. About two hours ago, I'm sitting on a, a termite and, uh, and just outside of my Yukon, Oklahoma, called Clarency Page. It's not called a termite. Tarmac, thank you. Tarmac. And, and so we're fixing to, and there's no one else there. It's a very small airport. And, and I get into the backseat of this very small plane and shut the door. And all of a sudden, I had an anxiety attack. Now listen, I've had, that's the second one in my entire life. But I would not wish this upon any of my worst enemies. My heart was literally beating. I'm not trying to, listen, I would have two years ago called someone like me a sissy. <laughs> and my heart started beating on his chest. And I said, I got to get out. 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 And he opened the door. I went over and threw up a little bit. Sorry, I know you're having to have lunch, but uh, <laughs> just being very truthful. And I had to just wait for a moment. And I kept hearing the Spirit of God said, I'm going to take you above it. And I thought, God, you haven't yet. <laughs> And the pilot turns to me and says, says, Pastor Kevin, would you sit by me? And I said, sure. I was breathing almost normal. My wife was texting me from the back seat. And when he got up in the air and we, we get above the clouds, God's, the Holy Spirit just says, you're above it all. So often we keep flying into the middle of the storm and God's saying, just come up higher. Come up higher. I want to show you something you can't see. And all the fog and all the clouds, I want to show you what you don't even know is there. And the way you get there is to honor him and to honor one another. So 18 years ago last month, there was a blood-curdling scream in my house. And I ran back to the bed. And my wife, who was six, five and a half, six months pregnant, the bed was filled with blood. We had two older sons. So I called my mom and dad, lived about 40 minutes away, and I said, would you meet us at this hospital? We get there in the hospital. They immediately got us back. And we had a doctor come back and 
30 minutes into the examination, he said, I'm sorry, but you've lost the baby. Probably one of the hardest moments Another doctor came in shortly after and I said, listen, I'm hearing some kind of echo, some kind of in the baby monitor. And he says, no, Mr. Fouts, that's just, that's, that's just what it is. It's just an echo. It will repeat for sometimes as long as four or five minutes. So they scheduled a, a procedure the next morning and Martha and I both woke up. We didn't sleep much. We woke up about the same time, and I said, listen, let's go. She turned to me, and she said, I agree. So we checked ourselves out against all of their advice, broke so many protocols. We signed herself out. She was still hurting. She was still bleeding. Fast forward a month later, She's still hurting. She's still bleeding, not as bad as she was. We went back to a doctor. We had been talking about how that our son would live and not die. We've been talking about, but we hadn't been fixated upon it. We just kept doing our, our thing. I was a pastor of a church. Martha was trying to raise the other two and, and do life. And we went, and he said, you've got to go over Crosstown right now for uh, an ultrasound. And they took this ultrasound, and they, they said, well, guys, your baby is alive. But there is no blood supply to the brain, and so he will not live, but, or she will not live very long, and then they'll die. So, fast forward to August 26, 2003. The very doctor that pronounced him dead and the very doctor that said he would be brain dead was on call that night. That little baby that was pronounced dead and brain dead is our youngest son, Carter Fouts. My experience with honor supersedes normality. It really does. I have seen when I choose honor, God chooses miracles. He chooses blessings. It takes determination. Remember the woman in the Bible whose daughter was struck with a demon? She goes to Jesus and says, Lord, can you heal her? And Jesus said, it's not. It's not for you. He said, I came for Israel. Paul said that salvation is first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Jesus was not being crude or mean or rude or hateful. But he said, no. The woman showed great determination. Jesus, in fact, called her a dog. Now, we have a dog, a Labradoodle named Ozzy, the laziest dog in the world. No, seriously, that dog sleeps 22 out of 24 hours a day. 
The other night, this is, this is how crazy our home is sometimes. We came home from uh, Keaton's graduation, our second son's graduation, and the door was left open about three feet. We live on five acres. We have a gate that blocks at the entrance of our home, which uh, we're thankful for because otherwise we would have been robbed blind about 110 times over the last little... Because boys, if, if you have sons, you know what I'm talking about. When they turn about 15, this turns off. <laughs> It's crazy. So they just, I don't know. But we get home and, 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 and dad said, my dad was with me and he traveled about three hours and, uh, to see Keaton's graduation. And he says, good thing you got a guard dog. <laughs> yeah, real good thing. Because I walked over and Ozzy sleep on the couch. <laughs> Out of it. In those days, to call somebody a dog, it, they were, dogs were scavengers. They would mostly eat dead things. Jesus said, you're not even worth my time. Women were not even talked to in, in culture. If you were talking to a woman, it was most likely your wife. They were possessions. Sad. But her response shows you her honor. But she said, but Lord, even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the children's table. How's that honor? Because she recognizes her role. She's not a Jew. She's not deserving. But she didn't get mad and slap a lawsuit on Jesus. <laughs> Defamation of character. Didn't get on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Didn't, didn't, didn't do any kind of thing like that. She understood her role. And she said, I'm going to choose honor. And Jesus healed her daughter. You see, you'll have every reason in, in the world, excuse me, excuse, to not show honor. But I'm telling you, that boss is the biggest jerk in all the world. If you will show him honor, it'll take him a little bit. But he'll start to look at you in a different light. But most importantly, what you've done almost in secret God says he will reward you openly. Last thing is this. When you honor, there is always, always a reward. Always. There's been rewards that I've experienced and, and, and been a part of over the years. I had no business getting once again the principle of honor God had said because you honored even the littlest ones now I'm going to honor you I, I, I want to I want to do something a little bit different courage come here Trevor, grab a chair, put it right here for me, would you? Can we agree that's like the coolest name ever? Everybody say, thank you, courage. John chapter 13, I want to illustrate what I believe is the greatest display ever of honor. John chapter 13, Jesus knowing that it was time that he was about to be betrayed. The Bible says that after supper, he took a towel. And he wrapped it around his waist. Okay, you 
just going to have to envision this because I can't tie and hold the microphone at the same time. And he went to his disciples, first of which was Peter. And he began to wash their feet. And Peter said, mm-mm, you're not washing my feet. And Jesus said, if you won't let me wash your feet, basically, I'm not going to have anything to do with you. I want you to see this moment. Jesus is about to, about to go to the cross to die for our sins. And in this moment, he says, i got to do one more thing. Knowing that every one of these disciples, except for John, would leave him. Can you imagine the humility? He knew every thought they were thinking. And he begins to wash their feet. Can you imagine when he gets to Judas? My heart goes out to Judas. Pastor, that's crazy. He's a son of perdition. I understand that. But Jesus would have still given him grace. How do I know that? Because it says he's willing that none would perish. If I'd been Jesus, I'd been like, get up, Judas. Sorry, dog. No, I believe Jesus was praying over Judas like this. Judas, I know what you're about to do, but I want you to know I love you. And I got a big plan for your life. After you've done this, let's talk. Because my grace is bigger. You you don't need the money, Judas. The 30 pieces of silver you're going to throw back. It's not going to fulfill you. So just think about that, would you? But he washed his feet. Tears fell. Three and a half years he was with Judas. But he'd known him his entire life. I love you, Judas. Now what you do, go do quickly. Choose honor. There will be dividends both now and forever. When people fail you, you love them. And I can promise you, God's going to bless Father, thank you for your word today.
thank you that your word is all powerful. I pray in this place that for someone that is away from you, they feel like a Judas. They feel the weight of the condemnation and the guilt, the regret. Today, they're coming home. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you feel like a Judas, you feel like you've blown it, I am not your judge. There's only one judge. And he's never swung a gavel. He says, I'll give grace instead. I'll give my love and my mercy instead. If you need that love and grace and mercy, you need to forgive your sin. On the count of three, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray with you. All over this place, you need Jesus to forgive you. One, two, three. That's good. That's great. I'm going to wait just for a moment because I believe there's some more. Maybe it's something you just keep on repeating, but God can give you victory over it. There you go. There you go. Would everybody say this with me? Say, Jesus, would you save me? Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you come into my heart and save me? From this point on, I'm going to live my life to please you with everything I have. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give our family a hand. Hey, everybody stand with me. If you raised your hand, Pastor Trevor will give you instruction just a moment where you can go. And we want to make sure that you have resources. I want us to practice. You see, the Bible says it's more than just hearing the word. We've got to be doers. I want, how many of you are going to practice honor this week? And not just this week, but you're going to start living it out. I can promise you. We've seen miracle after miracle after miracle because of honor. I preached on the, the, the aprons, the handkerchiefs, and I had people at our church, about 800 of them, and they, they went out. All the adults went out. One of them was placed on her son. His heart had been so cold against God, 52 years old. He said, Mom, I'm never going to church again. I wish you'd quit talking about it. He said, I, I, I'm going to quit going to to Christmas and Thanksgiving. He got desperate. He said, Mom, I've been watching your church service. Would you bring one of those aprons to me? They're telling me my left lung is completely dead now because of COVID. The other one's 70, 85% filled with fluid. Within 24 hours, both lungs were filled completely up with air. He was breathing. The Lord healed him. You honor. And my prayer is this church, I don't want it to be a Nazareth. 
where Jesus cannot do any miracles here. I want it to be a place of faith where someone walks through those doors. I know your pastor wants the same thing. Walks through those doors, jacked up as they may be. They find restitution. They find hope. They find grace. They find Jesus. Can you say amen? I love you. My wife and I, we love you. And listen, we're going to be partners for a while. We, we believe in this ministry. Pastor Trevor and, and Lindsay in Oakland. Can you give your pastor a hand as he comes back? Come on, one more time. One more time for Pastor Kevin. Can you all give it up for him and his family for being here? Golly, telling stories about me, making me look like a fool up in this place, and then just giving a word, making me cry too. Oh, man, I love you very much, Pastor. Really, honestly, thank you so much for coming. It really does mean a lot. And, and um, I, I think one of the reasons, if, I, if I'm being honest, that I do feel like the Lord has blessed Radical Church so much is because of the deposit that this man has made in my life, teaching me to honor. I got the word in 2017. I'd only been there for a year, all right? And I told him the next day when I got that word radical that we were supposed to start this church. And I said, Pastor, I don't want to leave. Please don't kick me out, all right? I want to honor you. I know this is a thing that, that he had taught. And I said, I want to stay here and learn from you, serve you and your vision for as long as I can until the Lord releases us at the right time for us to go. Is that okay? And he said, absolutely. And he taught me how to honor because I know that he honors. So I, I was honoring up to him and he was honoring down to me by giving me opportunities to lead in different areas in different ways. And so I honor you today, Pastor. Thank you very much. And we all in this place, who do we ultimately honor today is Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you so much. Thank you for being here today. We love you. Uh, we'll see you next week. God bless.